0: Well, hey, since it's Thanksgiving weekend, we are going to do a Thanksgiving sermon. I think it's so important. Uh, We're taking a little break from Seeking You Will Find, you know, just one week off so we can talk about being thankful because it is an essential, important Christian skill is to be thankful. I don't know about you, but I could use a little reboot on my thankfulness skills. This year when it came up to Thanksgiving time, I realized, man, I'm a little behind on being thankful. I think it's been a little while since I've spent some time just intentionally being thankful and counting my blessings in my life. I think I've been more focusing on problems and not knowing how to solve certain things and just being overwhelmed. I've been focusing on some of the wrong things. And so this actually is uh, very helpful for me. Great timing. (laughs) Hopefully, it's just super simple and you've been just progressing in thankfulness. So this is just an easy topic for you, but maybe like me, you know, you need you need to re up in your thankfulness in your heart. And so that's what we're going to deal with because this world needs more thankful people. I tell you what, you can look at the world and want lots of things to change, but I tell you one thing that would really make a difference is if this world had more thankful people. What if everybody, what if what if 50% of people that you meet were just super thankful people? Wouldn't that change the world? Man, what if it was 100%? Let's go with you and me. Now, let's you and me be these thankful people. But I tell you what, this is a challenging time for being thankful. Don't you think? And it's a weird thing because, you know, it's a bizarre combination of affluenza and struggle. You know what affluenza is? That's the, that's the new way they talk about people being spoiled. You know, it's when you have everything, but you're still unhappy. You know, that's affluenza, <laughs> So like we have everything, you know, I'm fairly old and my parents grew up, you know, on the farms out in North Dakota. And, uh, you know, they talked about getting electricity and getting plumbing. And, you know, when I was a kid, my grandma still had the party line phone, you know, like you don't have your own phone line. Everybody in town can answer the phone when it rings, like not just you. So, you know, back then there were all these challenges. You got to milk the cows every morning. You got to take care of the chores. You got to walk to the barn in the blizzard and tie a rope between the house and the barn so you don't get lost and die, you know, in the whiteout because you got to get out there every single day, morning and evening. Life was challenging. It was difficult. There was a lot going on. And now, you know, you just, you want it to be light in your house. You flip the light switch on. You want it to be warm. You change the thermostat. We have food. Maybe you don't have exactly every kind of food that you want, but I tell you what, you can go get some food. If you want to buy some rice, a 20 pound bag of rice at Walmart, I bet you can pull that off. You know, and you can make yourself some rice. You might even have enough money to put a little something in the rice. We have a lot, but we still have a lot of struggles. We still have a lot of difficulties. We've got a lot of problems. And so it's a, it's a weird time in history because we have all of these struggles while we have all of these wonderful material possessions. But it's still a challenge to be thankful with all the COVID stuff, the political stuff. It's just a challenging time to be thankful. In week three of our series, Seek and You Will Find, we talked about having peace in this difficult world. And basically I gave three steps for that. You know, that applies to this situation right now. You know, like if we wanna be thankful in this world as we look out and observe what's happening in people's lives, what's happening politically, what's happening, you know, across the world with COVID and all these, you know, you're just looking at all this stuff and it can rob your thankfulness. It can rob your peace. Your gratitude skills can be difficult in times like this. And so I gave three steps in week three. Step one is rise above. You know, we need to rise above our circumstances, not get sucked down into all the controversies of the day, but rise above. We are citizens of heaven. We are called to be above all of the things going on in this world. So we don't want to get sucked into it. We want to rise above. And then the second step was represent Jesus well. We are citizens of heaven, but we're also ambassadors on this earth for Christ. So we represent Christ and his interests. So we want to represent Jesus well. So rise above, represent Jesus well. And then step three was rest in the Lord. Not everything is my responsibility. Not everything is your responsibility. You can't fix everything. So don't just be worked up over stuff you have no control over. Once you rise above, represent Jesus well, then it's time to rest in the Lord, to let things go and to trust God. So that is the three steps from week three. And I think this can also help us with thankfulness. You know, rise above, represent Jesus well, rest in the Lord. Thankfulness is important for all three of those. You know, how are you going to rise above? How are you going to represent Jesus well? How are you going to rest in the Lord without being thankful? I think thankfulness is an essential piece of that. And I think we need to be aggressively thankful thankful. Because thankfulness is part of our overcoming power. You know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we are here to overcome, and thankfulness is an important part. If we're not thankful, then it's not going to work. We're not going to be overcomers. We're not going to rise above. We're not going to represent Jesus well, and we're not going to be able to rest in the Lord. So let's let's work on our thankfulness skills today. Let's look at being aggressively thankful. So I want to go to First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I read this pretty much every Thanksgiving because I just think it's fantastic, and we're going to dig in a little bit. Some very short verses, but then uh, very important concepts here. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So what's God's will for you in Christ Jesus? You ever wonder what God's will is for you? Well, we got a little uh, peek here. You know, be thankful in all circumstances is God's will for you, that you pray continually, that you have a vibrant prayer life and you do not lose your vibrant prayer life and that you rejoice always. So in all times, finding things to rejoice over, being a person of prayer, connecting with God, abiding in the vine, this is so important and then giving thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So again, if you've ever wondered what God's will is for you, well, get started on this because if you've been told in the scriptures what God's will is for you and then you don't do that, well, then how are you gonna go to the next step? You gotta be faithful in the little things in order to grab hold of the next things. And I tell you, this isn't necessarily a little thing. To be able to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, tell you what, You get to that place, you're going to be a lot farther ahead in your faith than a lot of people. All right. This is God's will for you in your life. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I wonder what the circumstances were for the church in Thessalonica. So this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So that means that this is an epistle. It's a letter written from the Apostle Paul to the church in Thessalonica And Paul had been to Thessalonica. We see at the beginning of this, 1 Thessalonians 1.1 says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. So Paul, Silas, and Timothy are writing a letter to the church in Thessalonica. Now, we believe that Paul specifically wrote it, but you know, hey, from us to you is what is being said here from Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. So this is written to a particular group of people from a particular group of people and they know each other. So what's the situation? How did this all happen? Let's go to Acts chapter 17. We'll get a picture of who the church in Thessalonica is. So... Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey and they're going from place to place. One of the places they went was Philippi, didn't go so well. They ended up getting severely flogged, thrown in the inner cell of the prison, feet in the stocks. God did an amazing miracle, but then they left, they left Philippi and this is where we pick it up in Acts chapter 17. We'll read one through nine first. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, "'These men who have caused trouble all over the world "'have now come here, "'and Jason has welcomed them into his house.' They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So it was going really well in Thessalonica, fairly well, I guess I would say. But then this mob forms and basically drives them out. So as soon as it got dark, they sent Paul and Silas away. So it was going well, but there is a significant problem in that there's a huge mob. And the accusation, the charge from verse seven here, you know, it says that they were charging them with defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Now don't underestimate the significance of that charge. That carried a death sentence. If you said, no, Jesus is my king, not Caesar, then you die. I mean, (laughs) he carried a death sentence. So this was a significant charge. Of course, we believe Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, you know. And so if they were going to do that, that's a potential death sentence. So it was a dangerous situation. So then there's this persecution with the mob. Let's see what they did after that. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more, more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So this is going really well. The, the people in Berea there are uh examining the scriptures to find out if what Paul is saying is true it's going super well verse 13 but when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea some of them went there too agitating the crowds and stirring them up so the believers immediately sent Paul to the coast but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea so here We see that the people that were persecuting Paul and Silas and Timothy in Thessalonica, they weren't satisfied to just kick them out of Thessalonica. They wanted to kick them out of Berea too. They, They traveled to cause them problems. So there's a significant amount of persecution going on with all of this. So this is a difficult situation for the church in Thessalonica. Think of it this way a mob drives away Paul the apostle and his companions, but the church in Thessalonica has to stay there. That's where they're from. They live there. You know, they don't get to flee. They live there. And so they have to stay in that environment where there is strong persecution. And more light is shed on this uh, as we go back to 1 Thessalonians. Let's go to chapter two, and we see a little bit more of what was going on there First Thessalonians chapter two, one through five says this, you know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you this gospel in the face of strong opposition. So Paul here is referencing being thrown in prison in Philippi, it was very, very bad, but they went to Thessalonica and shared the gospel message there anyway. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. So Paul here is talking about that he left the terrible situation in Philippi came to them, preached the gospel to them, even though there was strong opposition. Let's keep going. We're going to jump to verse 18 because... Now we have Paul and Silas and Timothy were there in Thessalonica. They got driven out and they wanted to check up and see how the believers in Thessalonica were doing because there were those that accepted the message and and Paul was wondering, how did it go for them? How did this turn out for them? So that's kind of where we pick it up here. Verse 18, we're going to read through verse 5, chapter 3. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. So Paul here, he's worried about the Thessalonians because they're going through difficult trials. They're new believers. They've only believed for, you know, weeks or months, you know? I mean like this isn't the sort of thing where it's an established church of strong believers. These are people who have only believed for a while, but you know, sometimes those new believers, they can stand through trials, they can face opposition, they can overcome and believe God for miracles. You know, when I was a brand new believer, I believed God for amazing things and, and you know, then you get a little bit older and you you get a little wiser, but you also lose something. That was super valuable back then. Just that childlike faith of like, yeah, I don't care. I'm believing God, you know. And they were able to make it through. They succeeded. Paul was worried that the trials at the church in Thessalonica, the things they were experiencing would push them away from Christ. This is what Jesus talked about with the shallow soil. You know, you got the hard path, the shallow, rocky soil. You got the weedy soil and the good soil. The shallow soil is the soil where the person at once receives the gospel message with joy, but then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And so this is a real threat. Paul was worried about that for the church in Thessalonica. He couldn't stand it any longer, so they sent Timothy, go check on them, see how they're doing, and Timothy checked on them, and they were doing great. So that is just fantastic. The Thessalonians were in a very difficult circumstance, for sure, tremendous persecution. If they claim Jesus as their king, you know, then that's a potential death sentence with the Roman rule. So it was a, it was a difficult time to be a Christian. And even in the midst of that, with very little experience in following Jesus, their faith held strong. And Paul was thrilled because they were overcoming their circumstances. They were not just weak, but they were overcoming their circumstances. And I believe that thankfulness is one of the keys to overcoming. So thankfulness is not just an expression of what's going on in your life, it's also a weapon that we can use in fighting the good fight of the faith to overcome the darkness in our lives. So thankfulness isn't just you know a description of how life is going. It's also something that changes our circumstances, changes things where we use thankfulness to overcome. That's why Paul gives instructions like give thanks in all circumstances. And he gave other instructions as well. I want to read kind of the context of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. we We're just going to read a little chunk here because he gives lots of different instructions to the church in Thessalonica. They're holding strong. God is teaching them things. Paul says God himself has taught you to love each other. Keep doing that because Paul knows he wasn't there. Uh, they had to flee and they're doing the things that God calls people to do not through instruction from Paul, but instruction from God. And that's just a fantastic, amazing thing. But then when Paul is able to give some instructions through writing him a letter, you know, he writes him some really important stuff. So let's just read 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 22, just a short section. These are very short verses. It says this, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So he's saying, make sure you respect your leaders in the church and then work well together with each other. Live at peace with each other. Verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. So Paul is saying, you know, if people are not doing anything, but instead they're just causing problems, make sure you warn them. But some people are just weak. Some people are disheartened. You want to help them be patient. Verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So Paul gives them a whole bunch of different instructions and in pretty short form, but we're going to focus on thankfulness. So let's zoom in on that. All of these different things help us to overcome our circumstances, to be overcomers in Christ. But thankfulness Is so key and it's what we're focusing on. So let's zoom in. I got three points I wanna make about being thankful. First one is this you have things to be thankful for, so don't believe the lie that you don't, all right? You have things to be thankful for, so don't believe the lie that you don't have things to be thankful for, that your life is just so hard and so difficult and so challenging that everything is terrible and you've got nothing to be thankful for. Let me tell you, at the very least, you know, and let me tell you if you don't, that there is a God in heaven that loves you and who has paid the price for you to be redeemed, to be brought from your circumstances in this world into being a child of God, a co-heir with Christ, and to have everlasting life with God and to share in the glory of God. Like, I mean, that's something to be thankful for, that this is a a short-term situation of difficulty and struggle, but we have an eternal glory that we grab hold of in Christ. And so be thankful for that because, man, that's a big deal. Don't believe the lie that you don't have anything to be thankful for. And I'm pretty sure you have other things to be thankful for as well. You get a cup of coffee today, be thankful for that. Can you take a nice deep breath of fresh air? Be thankful for that. Can you stand up, walk without pain? Be thankful for that. Whatever it is, look for things to be thankful for because there are things there you can be thankful. So you have things to be thankful for. Don't believe the lie that you don't. Number two, thankfulness is not a result of things working out in our life. You know, it's not just that, but it is a cause of things working out in your life. So it's not just the result. You know, we don't just be thankful after everything works out. We be thankful first, and then things begin to work out. You know, there are four situations where Jesus is recorded as giving thanks, being thankful in the scriptures, only four. And, you know, years ago, I did some research on this because Thanksgiving was coming up. I thought, hey, I wonder what Jesus was thankful for. And so I looked into it and the four circumstances are, you know, the first one is the feeding of the 4,000 and the feeding of the 5,000. I'm putting those together. He gave thanks for the meager provision when they had thousands of people to feed and barely anything. And then after he gave thanks, a miracle happened and everything got taken care of. But he gave thanks first for something that didn't make any sense. If you have thousands of people to feed and you've got enough food for one or two or three people, you know, like that's not something to give thanks for, but Jesus did. He gave thanks for that. Jesus gave thanks that God hears his prayers at the tomb of Lazarus when everybody was having a faith crisis and, and saying things to Jesus, like if you had been here, my brother would not have died and they're having a huge faith crisis. Jesus gives thanks in the midst of that, that God hears his prayers. And that's amazing. He gave thanks while everybody believed he couldn't solve the problem. Then the miracle happened and Lazarus was raised from the dead and everything changed. Jesus gave thanks first. Jesus gave thanks that the father had revealed to these people... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who Jesus was he he gave thanks for his followers a ragtag group that were just not that special uh, he gave thanks for them then what happened they became the apostles they became the ones that turned the world upside down through the power of God that's amazing and then Jesus also gave thanks at the last supper for what we celebrate as holy communion he gave thanks when he broke the bread my body broken for you and he gave thanks for the cup his blood poured out for the forgiveness of many and the new covenant in his blood. So he gave thanks in situations that were extraordinarily difficult. Jesus gave thanks before he went to be arrested, to be scourged, to be mocked, and to be crucified and killed. He gave thanks first before that, and then he rose. So Jesus is never recorded as giving thanks after the situation got better, but before the situation got better when it was a disaster. And he gave thanks for the meager things that he had, or he gave thanks for the hardships that were coming and God's plan in the midst of them. He gave thanks as a weapon in the battle to fight the good fight of the faith. He gave thanks First, Jesus gave thanks when circumstances were very bad, and then the miracle happened. So that's what I endeavor to do. That's what I want to encourage you to do. As we lean into aggressively being thankful, let's believe God that as we are thankful, as we give thanks to God for the little things that we do have, that God will bring the miracle and he'll bring the change and then that will be part of our overcoming. And just recently, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was having a little trouble (laughs) being thankful. And then as it came up on Thanksgiving, I'm like, oh, man, you know, like I got to I got to change something here. You know, as I have been leaning into the discipline of thankfulness, I've noticed that I begin to see new opportunities rather than just feeling overwhelmed and like I don't know what to do, feeling defeated. Instead, as I pray prayers of thankfulness and as I count my blessings, I start seeing new opportunities, and that's a, that's a big deal for me. You know, I've got to see how are we going to take the land, how are we going to get the next thing, where are we going to go to the next step, how are we going to make some progress. If I'm not seeing that, it's it's hard for me. I, we got to go to the next level, and this has been a difficult season to go to the next level, and there's lots of challenges. And thankfulness. The discipline of thankfulness in my life helps me see the opportunities rather than just feeling defeated. So it's part of fighting the good fight of the faith is the discipline of thankfulness. That's how Jesus lived. And that's how we need to live. And that brings me to point number three. Thankfulness is a command from God, not a choice. Okay, so let's get to it. Thankfulness is a command of God, not a choice. Why does God give commands? Very important that you know the answer to this question. Why does God give commands? I tell you, it's because he loves us and he's trying to help us out. Okay, that's why he gives commands. He's not trying to ruin our lives. He's not trying to take the fun out of life. He loves us. He's trying to help us out. So that's why thankfulness is a command because it is so important. We are to give thanks in all circumstances because that's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. So it is a command, not a choice. Three points with regards to thankfulness you have things to be thankful for. Don't believe the lie that you don't. Thankfulness is not to be just a result of things working out in our life, but it is part of the catalyst to make things work out in our life. It's an offensive weapon in fighting the good fight of the faith. So be thankful when things aren't working because that will help things to work. And then the third point, thankfulness is a command from God, not a choice, so get to it. All right, we're going to land the plane here and finish out our sermon time. And I want to repent personally for failing to be thankful like I should. I believe we should be aggressively thankful and consciously thankful and pray prayers of thankfulness and count our blessings. And I've noticed, you know, in looking back over the last few months that I've been failing in the spiritual discipline of thankfulness. And so just a little confession between you and me, and I need to get better at that. Not just out of, you know, like, well, God says so. But again, God tells us to be thankful in all circumstances because that's gonna help us to overcome. It's gonna help us to change. It's gonna help make our lives way, way better. And we'll be a lot more able to overcome and to represent Christ well. So I want to be thankful and I'm gonna repent for failing to be thankful like I should. And if that's where you're at, You know, then I encourage you to come along with me on that ride as we as we pray. That unthankfulness and different things can creep into our heart. And, you know, that can create some of that shallow soil that Paul was afraid the Thessalonians were were gonna be pushed away from Christ because of the hardships they were facing. You know, when we're unthankful, then our soil can get shallower and more rocky. We need to get the rocks out, and that means that we need to be thankful. We need to aggressively be thankful. So if you need to be thankful, if you need to get straightened out with that, repent for not being thankful like you should, then come along with me on that. And then the other thing is, you know, if you don't know Jesus, if you're listening to this right now and you don't know Christ, let me tell you, it is true. There is a God in heaven that knows your name and that loves you and that has made provision for you. He doesn't hate you. He's not disgusted by you. He loves you so much that God the Father loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross that that would pay your penalty of sin that your guilt could be taken away, you could be made right with God and walk with God in this life and have everlasting life with God. This is true. If you can trust me on that, that'd be super good because God is there and we go meet him through prayer. It's not just you know saying words we're supposed to say, it's about connecting with God because he hears you. He sees you right now, he loves you right now, he wants you to be made right with him right now. So let's pray along those two lines. If you've been a believer for a while and you need to work on your thankfulness, you know, like me, let's get, let's grab a hold of that. If you don't know Jesus, today's your day to meet him. So let's go and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you hear us when we pray. Thank you, Lord, that we can, we can speak by faith and we know that you know all things. And so you know that we're praying right now and uh, you see us. You know our hearts. You know if we're authentic, if we're faking it. You know if we're real. You know if we're broken. You know exactly where we are. And so, Father, you know where I'm at, and uh, you know that I haven't been conscious of being thankful, but that's been fading away. I didn't mean for that to happen, but I just somehow ended up not being as thankful as I should be, and, and feeling fear, and being overwhelmed, and just unsure, and And Lord, I repent of that. I turn away from being unsure and. Unthankful and overwhelmed, and I turn to you, Lord, saying, "You are enough. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, thank you for your provision. Thank you, Lord, that you are a lamp unto my feet, and that you have a path for me to walk, and I don't need to worry about whether or not you're going to be with me or, or what we're going to do, but I can walk by faith, knowing you're there. as long as I'm following you, I'm going the right direction. And so hallelujah for that. And Lord, help me to be thankful for every last little thing. And Lord, for those listening, I pray that right now they would just have a an overwhelming ability to be thankful for every little thing in their life. And Lord, for those who don't know who you are, they they think they're alone on this world, just an accident of chance that they happen to exist and they're gonna just as easily go out of existence from this meaningless life. Lord, I come against that lie. Lord, this life does have meaning and you are there and you are full of love and mercy and you have redemption and new life for us. And so for for those who don't know you right now, Lord, I pray that they would come and put their faith in you, put their trust in you. There's all the things of this world that we try to make it through because of, but Lord, you are the only one who is trustworthy, the one that never shifts and changes over time. And so Father, help them to trust in you to ask for a relationship with you, to ask to be made right with you, to believe that they don't need to fear that their failures stop them from having a relationship with you. But Lord, you have taken care of that. You have forgiveness of sins. You have redemption from the past. You bring us into new life. So Lord, help them to believe that and to pray to you right now for forgiveness and to be able to walk with you in this life. And Lord, I pray that you would be with them, that your spirit would be with them and guide them and that you would uh, drive any darkness in their heart out and that you would bring your joy and your peace and your love into their hearts right now. So Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. You are awesome and wonderful and glorious, and I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.